1: Welcome to episode 11 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man The comprehensive examination of the life, career, and works of actor Eric Roberts I'm Doug Tilly and with me as always is Todd Rigney How are you today, Todd? I'm doing pretty good. I got my Kentucky internet fixed, so I'm, I'm ready to go. Those who listen to the most recent episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man know that Todd, at the very end of the episode, we lost him. We lost his final comments about the film Wrong Cops, and, uh, and I had to just fill in what his, his, his opinion on that <laughs> movie was. Todd, I, I went on to say that you thought that it fucking sucked. Is that, is that true? I think that sums it up pretty well Well, it's a little profane, I don't appreciate that But I think you're, you're giving your honest opinion Which is what I really appreciate And Todd, I'm glad that you're back with us Yes, I'm glad to be back You know, one of the, the, the lucky things about doing a podcast Is that I get to pull in people uh, Sometimes against their will To be on it with us, to talk about Eric Roberts And sometimes it's not their favorite topic of conversation, but they're all troopers And I just want to talk about today's guest, who is a New York City-based writer uh, Current graduate student, whose writing can be found along with mine over at DailyGrindHouse.com But also at One Perfect Shot and Reject Nation He's a good friend, quality human being Very, very glad to be able to welcome Matthew Monagle. to Eric Roberts as the fucking man Matthew, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Doug. And I'll be honest, um, even more so than my deep-abiding love
2: of Eric Roberts, which is uh, what time is it? Three or four days old now. Mm-hmm. I will say that I came on this show because you have an amazing you have an amazing voice. Thank I didn't realize you. that before. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. So. You said, hey, let's talk about our robbers and movies. I was like, I'll just listen to Doug for 90 minutes. This will be amazing.
1: That, that's a reasonable response to my voice. Honestly, on one of my other podcasts, I'm often referred to as a, a howling banshee because of the amount of laughing I do. Uh, people there don't necessarily appreciate my voice. So it's glad it's glad it's good to be appreciated is what I'm trying to say, Matthew. Well, I'm not funny, so you won't laugh. That's perfect. No, you're not, but the films that we cover might be, and I'm only I'm only joshing with you, Matt. Can I call you Matt? Yes, please. Would you prefer Matt? Yes, Hmm. that seemed like you don't prefer Matt. I think I'll stick with Matt
2: No here. no, I, d- I do prefer Matt. I just uh most people don't ask. I'm always confused how to answer that. I'm like, I don't know.
1: Well, you didn't call me Douglas, some people like to call me Douglas. My mother calls gonna... me Douglas.
2: I'm just gonna call you Tilly for short. There
1: you go. I like that. All idea. right,
2: Tilly, what's what's going what's going on? What are we talking about today? <laughs>
1: are you trying to move my podcast? <laughs> I'm, I'm, moving you <laughs> I'm moving you a lot. <laughs> well, the first thing we got to do is we need to ask about your life with Eric Roberts. You said your fandom is all of three or four days old. Where's your Where does your life begin with Eric Roberts? Where was your first experience?
2: You know, I think probably my first Eric Roberts experience. Must have been some movie in the 90s that doesn't even come to mind anymore and I'm actually thinking that uh, and I don't I don't want to spoil it so I'll let it sit for a second but I think it was probably one of the movies we're going to talk about today what uh, it, it might have been it might have been the first time I have no conscious memory of it whatsoever, but I know that I know that I saw this movie at a young enough age where I was probably just taken aback by the purity and goodness of his character uh, and you know now. it it turned out to be an interesting double pairing because the other movie he's anything, but the one that sticks out weirdly is just, uh, you know, probably the same thing that most people say is the dark Knight*, which is sort of like when he was in it, you go, Oh yeah, yeah, you're an actor. Um, Mm. I remember you from, from other stuff. (laughs) And ever since then, he's just, you know, he's been everywhere and you guys started this podcast. And so I started reading and following along. And now, it's like it's like when you learn a new word Eric Roberts is a new word As soon as you learn a new word You hear it in like 16 other sentences That's And that true. is Eric Roberts As That's soon true. as he was on my radar He hasn't gotten off
1: Yeah, he is the delineate of acting uh, Matthew, are you a young person? Oh, uh
2: I mean, earlier this week I got a cold and sneezed And uh, pulled a muscle in my back So the answer to that is probably no
1: Good, that um, means you are old enough to be on Eric Roberts is the fucking man Yeah uh, <laughs> Honestly, as, uh, your experience with Eric Roberts I think is not that uncommon uh, I kind of lucked out In the sense that uh, <laughs> I lucked out I ran into the Coca-Cola Kid on TV back in the 90s And I was like, hey That is a guy that I think I recognize And then of course I quickly learned that he was Julia Roberts' brother And that's a really unfortunate label That he has to live with As in every fucking article Like I'm reading one right here On my screen right now Which says uh, Wike I don't know if it's Wyke Wyke Postman Turned movie maker recruits Julia Roberts' big brother for latest film <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> This is a guy who's a fucking postman and <laughs> yeah, We'll get into that on the Roberts Report in just a moment In fact, uh, Matthew, since you have given us such a great summary of your life with Eric Roberts Let's jump into the Roberts Report because there's lots of interesting news this week The Roberts Report Yes, as I was uh, just mentioning um, uh, I, I Just like minutes before we started recording this podcast I found this article This uh, article from the Telegraph and Argus Which is a uh, newspaper in Somewhere in Europe and somewhere in England About a postman Who has turned movie maker And has recruited Eric Roberts For his latest film It is called The Dark Return of Time And it's going to be shot in Paris Early next year, I don't think it's fair to go into too much detail in regards uh, to the plot, but I can say that there are some other people in the movie, and I have not heard of any of them. However, Todd, you'll be you'll back me up on this one. One of these other actors is a British actor named James Cosmo, and in this article it says, "Known to millions in Game of Thrones." What do you think about that, Todd? Hey, uh, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so okay. Yeah, it's exciting though, because <laughs> longtime listeners of Eric Roberts as the fucking man know that we have a bit of a conspiracy theory around oh, here. Yes. That because of Max von Sydow tweeting out that uh, that he was going to be joining Game of Thrones, and that he attached Eric Roberts to that message, that we have predicted. That Eric Roberts will be joining the cast of Game of Thrones, which again is not a show that I watch or Todd watches, but of course we would have to watch it if Eric yes. Roberts was to join. Now, the odd thing about that is today I was doing a little search. I did a search on Google, uh, it's like an internet search engine, and I looked up Eric Roberts in quotation marks and Game of Thrones in quotation marks. And Todd, what do you think I found? Uh, I have no idea. No. But what, I... us? Us? Did you find us? You know what? We, I did, that was actually one of the things that came up But the, the very first things that came up Were from Game of Thrones message boards Where people were having conversations and predictions About whether Eric Roberts was going to join the wow. cast of Game of Thrones Because of the exact same tweet that we've been mentioning for weeks now What do you think about that? I think you could have stumbled onto something here. I think I think this uh this, this goes deep and I think we're gonna be hearing something about it very soon. Hey Todd, remember on the last episode when we were talking about the faith based MMA movie Victory by Submission? Uh yes I do. Now, uh, Matthew, I, I know you don't know necessarily what we're speaking about right now, but we mentioned that Eric Roberts was going to be appearing in an upcoming faith-based movie, an MMA faith-based movie, called Victory by Submission, which also had Lee Majors and Fred the Hammer Williamson in it. That, does that, makes,
2: th- that, that makes complete sense to me. Does that
1: sound like something that would appeal to you, Matthew?
2: Um, Well, I like the faith-based I'm not so sure about Eric Roberts, Fred Williamson Or any of the other Lee Major, any of the other people you said
1: That's interesting, that's like the opposite opinion Of how I feel
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, just, you know, give give me Jesus in a movie I'm there
1: Well, I don't know if Jesus shows up in this one, though I can think of some scenarios where he might. But uh, I did want to mention, just as an addendum to the last episode's news article, is that I found out that Eric Roberts is playing a character in the movie called Leon the Neon Harris. Leon the Neon Harris. (laughs) Leon the Neon. Yeah. So I think uh, our previous guest, Mike Sullivan, predicted that uh, Eric Roberts might have been playing Satan. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And he still might be. We don't know much about Leon the Neon Harris, but I did want to give that update. I thought it was very, very important. I also wanted to give a quick update about another movie mentioned on the previous episode Golden Shoes. The soccer movie Golden Shoes Which had, let me see if I can remember Vivica A. Fox and Montel Williams in it Well, uh, those who did listen to the most recent episode Will know that we mentioned that they were just having their uh, Theatrical premiere of Golden Shoes And also it's gone to VOD In fact, I've gotten some feedback from uh, diehard Eric Roberts is the fucking man Fans about the movie But I do want to say that I was reading a review of it Because that's what I do with my spare time and this review was praising the performance of Eric Roberts. It says, and I'm just going to read right from the review, because why not? The star of the film is Eric Roberts as Christian's villainous neighbor, Frank. Roberts gives 110% every moment he's on screen. In a film where it's apparent nothing bad is going to happen to the kid, Robert is so convincing. It's unclear what Frank will or won't do to poor little Christian. Frank lets his sons bully Christian and makes him sleep in the basement. How cruel. (laughs) Todd, I'll tell you, I don't know if I was that interested about Golden Shoes, but now I'm over the moon to see this movie. Matthew, I don't know if this is a faith-based movie. I'm going to guess that it's not, but it is a soccer movie, Golden Shoes. Do you have any interest in soccer?
2: Well, you know, not soccer, but the idea of Eric Roberts giving 110%. You know, I, if, if it was like 90 or 80, I'm not there, but 110%. That sounds exhausting. I'm in.
1: Now, I know you love movies, Matthew. And uh, even though the, one of the movies that we're featuring here today might have been your first Eric Roberts experience, I imagine you've experienced them in some capacity since then. Can you think of an example where Eric Roberts was giving 110%? Uh,
2: <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> that there was some straight-to-video movie with a dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's about, that's the only one that comes to mind
1: Well, there's a few of those
2: <laughs> Well, then there you go, more than one
1: Sometimes uh, he's the dog, and sometimes he's the president Trying to take care of a dog
2: No, I I mean I. Well, let's look at it this way If if you want to say that he gives 110% in a year And he gives 1% in 110 films And technically, just, you know, based on math
1: That's actually a pretty good That's a, I, That's a little above my head, but it does seem to make sense
2: just throwing uh, it out there. 1%, 110
1: films, 110% a year. His publicist has not made. Todd, what's 110% Eric Roberts' performance?
0: Uh, 110%, hmm. I would probably say the Pope of Greenwich Village.
1: Yeah, the cop shit his pants, that's right. Yeah,
0: that's right. And the, the
1: whole losing the finger thing, the thumb. <laughs> well we, re- we remember some of it. Anyway, fuck all that, because the big news this week, the greatest news of all in the Eric Roberts-verse, is the the announcement of the Condemned Two, which is about to go on demand on November six? Now, for those of you who haven't seen the first Condemned, Todd, what was that about? Uh, people trapped <laughs> on an island, killing themselves, right? I was really just trying to put you on the spot. It's amazing that you had an answer for that.
0: Yeah, it, it, I I own it. How about that? So well, I am I am looking forward to the Condemned Two.
1: Now, the first Condemned did that star Stone Cold Steve Austin? It did. Well, the sequel, also being released by WWE Films, stars professional wrestler Randy Orton. And it's from the director of The Marine 2, The Man with the Iron Fist 2, and Death Race 2, and also Scorpion King 3. Uh, It's about a former bounty hunter who finds himself on the run as part of a revamped, condemned tournament in which convicts are forced to fight each other to the death as part of a game (laughs) that's broadcast to the public. Yes, I am reading from the press release. Uh, Eric Roberts is going to be in this movie. What do you think about that, Todd? Uh, I think it's another reason for me to watch it Now, when I read that Eric Roberts was going to be in this movie The first thing I thought was Well, the good guy will be played by WWE superstar Randy Orton And the bad guy will be played by Eric Roberts But looking at the cast list Eric Roberts plays a guy named Frank Tanner And Randy Orton plays a guy named Will Tanner I guess they might be related I did a little investigative work here I, I can tell how excited you are by that. Matthew, <laughs> Matthew, have you ever seen The Condemned? I haven't,
2: no. Uh, have you ever
1: seen any of the movies from WWE Studios? Yes,
2: several. Um, the one, What was the one with Colin Farrell? Dead Man Down.
1: That sounds like a real movie. I'm not sure.
2: I've seen that, and I know that there were a few others. I read a good article a while back about how they were breaking into film production. I don't remember the gist of it. It was just like, oh, look at what they're doing.
1: I remember that John Cena was in two movies. One of them was The Marine. <laughs> the other one was, what was the other one I'm trying to think of, Tom? It was a 12 Rounds? 12 Rounds. It? And I ended up being dragged to the cinema to see 12 Rounds in the theater. And uh, it was because people had said The Marine was a lot better than they were expecting. So I think 12 Rounds is actually, actually directed by uh, um, Rennie Harlan. I might, might be wrong on that, but I believe it was. And I went into it with a lot of good faith. And I'll tell you, did not like that movie. Did not like 12 rounds That said I will watch The Condemned 2 Because it does star WWE superstar Randy Orton Possibly giving RKOs To convicted criminals On some sort of (laughs) island uh, And maybe to his own father If indeed Eric Roberts Plays his father in the film Matthew will you be seeing The Condemned 2 along with us?
2: I assume at some point If uh, the podcast continues to go Invited on again I'll make sure that's one of my movies
1: Great now what would pair well with the condemned 2 do you think mm, uh
2: i don't know like a pina grigio i guess yeah. maybe maybe some vegetables i'm not i'm I, you know
1: i do, actually, I, do, I would recommend a uh, uh, some sort of hard liquor to to, oh, for sure. to help <laughs> chase down the condemned 2 uh, finally on the roberts report this week recently added to the ever lengthening eric roberts imdb profile page is 2016s Inferno by Dante uh, Which is one of a series of animated adaptations By Boris Acosta Of uh, Dante's Inferno In in fact if you go to his INDB profile page There's like five projects in a row Which are all Dante's Inferno animated adaptations Uh, Plot summary says that Dante's journey Through the worst of the afterlife Inferno But And that's almost not really English, what I just read But I believe that's how it says it Or how it's written on the IMDb page But what's really fascinating about this And why I'm bringing it up Is that Eric Roberts does the voice of Dante Franco fucking Nero does a voice in it Which is pretty exciting And the late Jeff Conaway does a voice in it Jeff Conaway from Greece Uh, Matthew, is Greece the word? Uh, Greece is the word I've also heard that the bird is the word Mm
2: -hmm. I I tend to go with the former myself
1: Franco Nero, Matthew, what do you think?
2: Franco Nero is fucking amazing. Yes. And that is sold. I have watched movies just because Franco is in them that I probably shouldn't. His, there are like six people in the history of the world that were allowed to wear a mustache, and he's like three of them.
1: <laughs> well, I've watched a few movies because Eric Roberts is in them. <laughs> <laughs> More than a few. Uh, Todd, are you excited about this uh, weird Dante's Inferno adaptation? Yeah, I'll watch anything with Franco Nero. So, yeah, fucking sign me up. Well, you're not necessarily going to be watching Franco Nero or his Magnificent Mustache because, of course, this is going to be, I believe, and I'm pretty sure, an animated movie, especially because I don't think a live-action Jeff Conaway oh, is going to be happening.
2: I'll close
0: my eyes and imagine it then.
2: Let me ask, how many, since he, both of you are so familiar with his, uh, his entire back catalog, has he done a lot of animated work?
1: You know what? Uh, that's an excellent question. And the answer is, not a ton, but certainly more... Than you might expect Uh, He's done uh, voice work Of course he was the voice of a talking cat Which we can't uh, forget Uh, But he has done a number of cartoons Including, as we've mentioned on previous episodes uh, Justice League Unlimited He played the character of Mongol on a few episodes But he's done uh, assorted Other animated voice work as well He's sort of known for his voice
2: Yeah, I figure if, if you have The travel schedule that he clearly has if you can line up a week or two in the studio And that's four or five different credits I mean why not do that instead
1: Or you could just go to your bathroom with David Dakota And <laughs> uh, bang out a whole movie in like 10 minutes Why not? A talking cat Everyone check it out uh, That's the end of this week's Roberts Report A lot of really interesting information There's still no announcement uh, I did check the uh, hashtag Speedball Facebook page To make sure that there isn't any movement there And unfortunately there isn't No Game of Thrones confirmation yet But join us again in two weeks for more Of the Roberts Report But now we must break away from the news To get to the views The views of the two films we're covering on this episode Uh, And let me announce what they are right now They are 1998's The Prophecy 2 Starring Christopher Walken and Eric Roberts And then we're going to follow it up With Fast Sofa from 2001 Starring Crispin Glover uh, And (laughs) Gary Busey's kid Jake Busey and of course, Eric Roberts And Jennifer Tilly, but her last name isn't spelled with an E So, whatever uh, We're going to come back from this first break And we're going to talk about the Prophecy 2 Will Eric Roberts be giving an angelic performance? Or will he be like a big asshole in it? I guess we'll find out right after this <laughs> is a prophecy that an angel of light will come down from heaven how would you feel about seeing me again i'm not sure and an ordinary woman <sighs> do you accept me yes will be given the life of a child it was positive at the test i've been with one man and this unborn child will be a messenger of peace for all mankind you don't know how important you are but now you have no idea you're in for
2: who are you
1: i think you know an evil force has declared war this place is going down and the battle for the future has begun showtime you're all we have left huh? you and the child what's going on here? It's not personal it's business it's what i do best this thing is going to kill me
2: way or the other.
1: This war ends tonight. It's time to go. The Prophecy 2. In 1998, the world said, hey, remember that movie from a few years ago called The Prophecy? Let's make a sequel to it. And they did, and it was called The Prophecy Two, Directed by Greg Spence uh, And with a fairly impressive cast uh, I remember fairly well Actually when the first Prophecy came out uh, It sort of just kind of appeared On video store shelves I don't actually remember its theatrical release But I remember just about every video store In the mid to late 90s Having a copy of the Prophecy on its shelves And I was just as surprised to see the Prophecy 2 And uh, in revisiting both of the movies For this episode uh, I was surprised at how much I actually enjoyed both of them Especially when paired together I think, uh, and and I don't want to step on our guest shoes or Todd's shoes But uh, I think it's fairly obvious that the sequel doesn't quite live up to the first one But it's uh, in terms of diminishing returns, it's not actually that bad And I think things would probably get a little bit weaker As the series went along Yeah, there's five entries in this series, I believe I haven't actually checked out any of them after part two Uh, Again, as I mentioned before Really great cast Christopher Walken Jennifer Beals She fucks an angel in it Uh, That angel (laughs) is played played by Russell Wong Brittany Murphy is here uh, The late Brittany Murphy Uh, Glenn Danzig is in this movie We're going to talk about all of this But uh, also uh, some really strange kind of um, small appearances in this movie Including Bruce Abbott Taking on the Elias Codius role from the first film, uh, just momentarily in this movie, Bruce Abbott from Reanimator and uh, Bride of Reanimator uh, and Bad Dreams, if you've ever seen that. And Danny Strong is in this movie. Uh, he's best known, of course, for the um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer series, and then he went. He's become actually a fairly uh, respected writer for uh, film as well. Uh, t- uh, Todd, I'm going to put you aside for a second because I'm very curious about your res- response to this movie because I want to talk to our guest, Matthew. you're uh, choice for this episode. One of your first choices was The Prophecy 2. What is your experience with The Prophecy series, and what did you think of The Prophecy 2? Oh, man. So, I fucking
2: love The Prophecy series. I think I think I made it all the way through maybe four of them back in the day. But, you know, it, I grew up in a place where there was one video store, so pretty much everything depended on what they had in stock. And they always had, like you said, about a dozen copies of Prophecy 1, Prophecy 2, Prophecy 3, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, everything about the first movie, and I do mean everything about the first movie, is great. From Elias Cotias to Virginia Madsen. Um, Christopher Walken, of course, is brilliant. We're going to talk about him a lot. Uh, Eric Stoltz at the beginning of the first film is mm-hmm. amazing. And then Viggo Mortensen popping up, and just clearly at a point in his career where he was like, I may not get work day to day, so whatever <laughs> the fuck. I'm just going to go for it. That I I don't want to take anything away from The Prophecy 2 because, like you said, it actually surprisingly delivers on a lot of the stuff. And it, it does try and build out a mythology and turn this into an actual franchise, which is interesting. Uh, but that first movie, oh, God. I, I had the opportunity to see it in 35mm recently. I didn't. I'm going to kick myself about that for a while. Love The Prophecy. So, Prophecy 2. The thing that I love the most about this movie, revisiting it, can I talk about the movie now, or don't? Yeah, you no, want to... go
1: ahead. This is this is your a vocal review of the prophecy two. Amazing. So the
2: thing that I like the most about the prophecy two, after revisiting it, uh, is twofold, and I'm I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. The first one you hinted at. It, I feel like there is a lost art of cinematic sleight of hand that existed a lot when franchises would start on go by going into theaters. A film would make it big and they'd be like, oh, great, this is enough of a success, especially in the home video market that we need to come up with a sequel. But they weren't able to get everybody back or in some cases, anybody back for the sequel. And they were like, eh, let's just fuck it. We'll like, you know, we'll, we'll shoot them from the waist down or we'll get somebody that kind of looks like the other actor will work it. And the Prophecy 2 is like top 10 Hall of Fame level uh pretending like they have the cast from the first one because you see, as you said they've got bruce abbott in a full beard and like shoulder length hair who looks more than a little bit like elias Cotius in those scenes <laughs> you would not be at all at fault if you thought it was the same actor and then you have somebody doing an amazing vigo mortensen impression from the waist down popping in as, as lucifer and doing this whole oh we gotta you know gabriel it's not your time we're gonna kick you back out I just I I love the fact that the movie is basically like, yeah, we don't have these people. But as long as we sort of both agree that it's not the worst thing ever, the most important thing ever. And weirdly enough, they have, of course, Christopher Walken and they're like, okay great. So he's the the through line of the series. But they are like, you know, what would give this legitimacy? I don't know. Let's bring back Stephen Hitner as the the pathologist, (laughs) the person at the morgue for both films. And he'll talk about his old friend, Elias Petitius's character. I was like, oh, great. You have my complete buy-in. This is immersive. <laughs> and then the other thing that I that I loved about it, and this I'm I'm gonna just put it out there, and I want to hear you guys talk about it first, uh, is that this is basically just a really terrible knockoff of Terminator. Yeah. What do, you, what do you have to say about that?
1: Well, I'll I'll actually I'll I'm going to actually refer to that in just a second. But before okay, we get I can wait. That... I can wait for it. I know you can, so you just sit tight. Before we get to that, Todd, I want to hear your thoughts on The Prophecy 2, and, and the, the first one as well, if, if you have any memories of that.
0: Uh, yeah, I caught the first one in theaters you know, eons ago, and, yeah, after reading about it in Fango, and I think it was going under the name God's Army at the time, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, I just knew after reading it that I had to see it, and then it disappeared for a while, and it finally came out with almost like no bravada under the name The Prophecy. And seeing it in theaters, I loved it. Uh, you know, I think I owned it on VHS and, you know, eventually bought it on DVD. I just, I loved everything about it. I loved the style. I loved walk in. I loved uh, Viggo Mortensen as Satan. Like, just his whole demeanor in that movie is just, it's so, it's so fucking badass. And yeah, the sequel, you know, while not as good, it's, it's probably better than 80. And I'd say probably 90% of the uh, straight-to-video kind of uh, sequels that you get. And, uh, and even though it kind of rehashes a lot of the uh, – some of the same things like uh, walking, licking things to learn more about it <laughs> and uh, him bringing somebody back to life to help him you know, with his mission. It, you can, I kind of overlook those things because I just love the movie that much.
1: Okay. I think that's all very reasonable. Todd, strong opinions on the prophecy. Yeah, so. I'm
0: I'm a prophecy fan.
1: What do you think a prophecy fan would be called? Uh, the prophesized. That's not bad Now for those who haven't seen The Prophecy Or The Prophecy 2 It's basically about a war among angels There's a group of angels that are uh, Particularly jealous of the fact that God has blessed humanity with a soul And uh, because of that jealousy They've been waging a war And while that war is going on No one is able to ascend to heaven And with that description You may think that this is a faith-based movie And if you stretch that definition It is (laughs) But you can certainly enjoy uh, The Prophecy and Prophecy 2 And I can't speak for the rest of the series Without... Uh, partaking in a lot of the religious beliefs that kind of um, the, the initial concept is based around. Going back to what you said for a second, Matthew, about this film being heavily influenced by the structure of The Terminator, I agree, and in fact, I've heard that several times before, but I want to take it back to a different movie for a second. The first prophecy was directed and written by the creator of Highlander. And Highlander, if you think of that movie while you're watching this, you know people (laughs) meeting, uh, you know, almost disconnected from the earth, meeting across time and space, and ripping out hearts in this case instead of cutting off heads. There are a lot of kind of thematic similarities there, and almost some visual similarities as well. They just don't have Russell McKay here to uh, to MTV it up. I feel like if you think of Highlander as being directly influenced by the structure of the Terminator, that You can especially see a thorough line here uh, To to really both of these movies Both Prophecy and Prophecy 2 Uh, And and I, I certainly found myself thinking of both Highlander and Terminator More than once while watching these films And I watched them sort of back to back And I also have to say, by the way That any failings that the Prophecy 2 has It's really buoyed up it's really helped by watching them back to back Because they, they you can accept the idea That they are two parts of the same story And one of the reasons that you're able to accept that uh, Even aside from the sleight of hand That Matthew was mentioning, and he's right They do a good job of pretending that they have More of the cast of the original than they actually have But the main reason it works Is Christopher Walken Christopher Walken is amazing in both of these movies I remember the first time I saw The Prophecy Back in the 90s I thought, when I was watching I was like Oh, they saw... Christopher Walken's character in True Romance And they just decided to make him an angel (laughs) 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 And center an entire fucking movie around him And he does have that sort of Menace to his performance But there's also that kind of winking humor To everything he does He gets almost all the best lines uh, Except for that Mother's Feces line in the first one uh, (laughs) Which Viggo Mortensen gets But he gets almost all the great lines He gets a whole collection of great moments My favorite in the Prophecy 2 Being uh, when he has to Somehow use a computer And (laughs) gets immediately Very very frustrated with the idea I love actually first How amazed he is by computer technology And then eventually having to get Brittany Murphy To actually help him use one Uh, But his performance is so appealing in this, uh, in both Prophecy Two and Prophecy One, and the, I, I imagine in Prophecy Three as well, the fact that they decided to continue the series without him is almost unthinkable. Uh, and in fact, watching these two movies, how this one ends, it almost makes sort of a kind of a perfect bookend. If you just wanted more of that first movie, it's it's hard to believe that it, they continued on with it. But then again, of course, it's not hard to believe. Matthew, what did you think of Christopher Walken in the Prophecy Two?
2: Well, I will say this. Uh, first of all, he's great. Second of all, they do, as you've hinted, sort of wa- you know, give you a lot of what you've already seen. You know, he does this shot where he kisses his fingers and something bursts into flames behind him. He does at least three times as many of the hush and the person falls asleep. Like, that happens. He, I think he he calls humans monkeys about ten more times than he did in the <laughs> original one, which is, which is all great. Like, he's he's so good at the character that it doesn't, you know, none of that affects me. The one thing that did sort of... I don't want to say take his performance down a notch, um, but in between the first and the second one, he he maybe put on a, a little bit of weight. Ooh. Christopher Walken in, in the Prophecy 2 has a little bit of a punch, just like a, just a little bit of a punch. Like it's not that bad, and they sort of dress him around it with these like black leather pants and this white billowing blousey shirt. And so for some reason, you know, in the first one I, I did it doesn't bother me at all, and in the second one he just sort of looked. like like a, an aging rock star, which added a nice little level of intertextuality, I think, to like, you know, that's basically what his character is. Gabriel is like an aging rock star, somebody who used to be somebody and hasn't been for a while. All that being said, I you know, the one thing that I do miss between his performance in the first one and the second one is it's just the idea that you have to escalate. You have to do a little bit more, you know, There not a lot of actual fighting in the first movie as much as they hint at it. So they do a lot more of the hands-on wrestling and, and fight choreography and things like that in a second. And I think that's to the movie's detriment. I think the prophecy works really well because these are you know, the angels in the film are spend most of the movie just honestly fucking annoyed that they've had to take corporeal <laughs> form. Like they don't they don't like it. They don't like being on Earth, they don't like being in these bodies, they don't like being around each other. Uh, and so for the movie to embrace that and kind of make them more as superhuman, you know. Fighters in the second It worked better when it was just Christopher Walken and Eric Stoltz Glaring at each other And both of them being like Doesn't having a body suck? <laughs>
1: uh, okay, we need to push aside The plot and the walken fat walken of The Prophecy <laughs> 2 be, Because to- we need to talk about The inclusion of Glenn Danzig in the cast of Prophecy 2, notable not just because it's Glenn Danzig, but also because in the other film we're featuring today, it also has a small appearance by a punk superstar, uh, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Todd, I'm going to go back to you for a second. Glenn Danzig, are you a fan, and what did you think of his performance here?
0: Uh I'm not really much of a fan of Glenn Glenn Danzig nothing against him or his music just not something I listen to. Uh and his <laughs> performance in The Prophecy 2 was kind of uh short mm-hmm. so yeah. it, it, there wasn't really much to go on other than you know the whole eyes missing thing.
1: Yeah, eyes. That's a it's a creepy image. I have to say the eyes being missing. Hey, what happened to the fact in the first one the angels were hermaphroditic? But in this one uh, Russell Wong was able to fuck Jennifer Beals into pregnancy <laughs> almost immediately. What's up with that, Todd?
0: Uh, that's, uh, I think, a plot hole that you're really not supposed to notice, Doug.
1: Mm, maybe it's yeah, maybe maybe I'm just paying too much attention. Maybe. Ma- Matthew, Glenn Danzig, yes or no?
2: You know, while you were talking to Todd about Glenn Danzig, I will admit that I actually had my phone out and was trying to figure out who he was outside of you know his limited acting career. Oh, my. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, I think I just gave away my. Uh, you know, I'm. I like. I like bluegrass. Um, that's my <laughs> genre. of music. So, and and unless I missed something there, I don't think he's written a lot for that. But I, I will say that uh, one of my closest friends from high school is a big fan of the Misfits. So I have, if nothing else, I have a lot of affection for the logo because I know the logo because he would wear the shirt all the time.
1: I'm on this podcast with a couple of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay, because I'm a nerd too And uh, actually, I'm not a big fan of Danzig Especially post-Misfits Danzig Uh, I find him trying and annoying Uh, So uh, there is a very famous uh, video out there Of Glenn Danzig getting knocked the fuck out That is a very amusing video to watch Uh, But it was very interesting to see him in the Prophecy too, uh, As you mentioned Todd, he's in here for about 30 seconds Maybe not even And he looks all fucked up looking yep. uh, So you don't really get a sense of whether he has acting ability or not I was hoping for a lot more Glenn Danzig But in, unfortunately we had to fit in a lot more Steve Hitner performance <laughs> <laughs> that So was they're a, just, That was a good trade off <laughs> I
2: like that trade off
1: I like Steve Hitner, And actually I I love the idea of bringing a secondary Like a really, maybe even not even secondary Maybe a thirdly character back uh, As kind of the thorough line between three movies Uh, They should have kept him I can't believe they couldn't afford him for the uh, fourth and fifth But I guess, you know, post-Seinfeld His price just went right up Uh, Todd, I gotta ask you for a second You're on a desert island Jennifer Beals Virginia Madsen Mary Fuck Kill Yourself (laughs)
2: <laughs> you can throw you can throw and walk in Walken. We'll do Virginia Madsen, Jennifer Beals, Christopher Walken.
1: That's great. Matthew, you are a fine addition to this show. Todd, marry fuck kill, Jennifer Beals, Virginia Madsen, Christopher Walken.
2: Alright.
0: Uh, let's see. I would mm-hmm. uh fuck Jennifer Beals, marry Christopher Walken, and probably murder Virginia Madsen.
1: You are a cold motherfucker, Todd Rigney. <laughs> Matthew, I'm going to ask the same question to you. Honestly, I'm trying to poke a hole in the logic
2: there, but I I can't Todd's got it right. That's hey. because because the thing is is like you, you know, you may not necessarily want to do anything sexual with Christopher Walken, but at the end of the night, long day, gathering coconuts on the island, who do you want to crawl in the bed with? You know it's the right answer.
1: Oh, now you're convincing me. But I have to say, Virginia Madsen in The First Prophecy was a very attractive woman. Jennifer Beals in this film, also a very attractive woman Christopher Walken with his paunch, pretty attractive <laughs> still Oh yes, no no problem Look, it, it's a, he's not fat Walken, he's just a little paunchy and that's okay Okay, so now I'm going to ask you this question, Matthew So you have paunch Walken and pre-paunch Walken <laughs> And just, just to even things out, let's go with late 70s Walken as a third option Mary fuck, kill Oh Deer Hunter Walken, I'll call the other one.
2: Okay. Um let's say Oh man. I know. You know, and the sad thing is I feel like I feel like for some reason I should have already like worked through this at some point in my life. Um mm-hmm. uh, let's say go with the young Walken, just because, you know, the resemblance to Scarlett Johansson. And then there is we'll we'll kill the we'll kill the nineteen nineties. Late nineteen nineties walkin, and we'll marry oh. the late seventies
1: walkin. All right. Yeah, I guess that's fine. I mean you are very anti Ponch walkin, which I, I'm a little disturbed by, but you know, your opinion is your opinion. Um back to the prophecy too. We haven't mentioned Eric Roberts yet. <laughs> <laughs> Something we often forget to do here (laughs) Eric Roberts is the fucking man Uh, As this movie was going along And again I had not seen The Prophecy 2 for many a year uh, I started to worry that He would have one of those teensy tiny Eric Roberts parts that we are getting very used to On this podcast But actually even though he doesn't show up Until the final 20 minutes or so It's a fairly substantive part Eric Roberts plays the angel Michael who, uh, even though he is shown to be a, a, a flawed angel in some way He also is supposed to be, for all intents and purposes, a good guy uh, And he does get some fine moments uh, Conversing with, uh, with Jennifer Beals and briefly with Russell Wong's character And of course, having the showdown with his barbecue neighbor, Christopher Walken <laughs> uh, Including some great final moments Let's talk about his performance Starting with you, Matthew What did you think of Eric Roberts in The Prophecy 2? I think my
2: favorite thing about this Eric Roberts performance is just how, how much his benevolence can be confused with a younger sibling, because mm. Jennifer Beale's character goes out and says, are we all going to die? He goes, I don't know. Are you? It's like, oh, is there any hope? I don't know. Is there? And like, <laughs> but that, but that, that's supposed to speak to his you know, benevolence. He's like this great angelic character. He's literally an angel, and his only method is the Socratic method, which is never actually answer a fucking question.
1: <laughs> Talking riddles around the character instead of uh, giving them any sort of comfort whatsoever. Uh, Todd Eric Roberts,
0: uh, I thought he was pretty good. He's got got that hippie angel thing going on, and uh, I, I I was I couldn't remember going back and watching it how much of a part that he had in it. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's fucking Michael. And even though he only shows up at the end of the flick, I mean, his character kind of is reference to the whole thing. And, you know, I was kind of impressed by the whole thing.
1: Matthew, what did you think about that final moment where you have, spoiler alert, (laughs) Christopher Walken sort of impaled and Eric Roberts is basically um, dooming him to uh, being a monkey, being a human uh, what how did what did you think of that final kind of uh, confrontation between the two?
2: I think I think it, you're right when you said earlier that this sort of works. These two films work as bookends because that's sort of the best possible way to end. I mean, obviously it doesn't because it keeps going, but that would be sort of the best possible way to end the the Gabriel character is to make him human and just kind of live out his days as a as you know crazy person on Earth. And I think that I think it's also sort of a nice bookend too because you take anybody that doesn't spend a lot of time looking at lists of angels and they can probably only name a handful and usually the names are like gabriel or michael you know the things that you've seen in other movies so when you introduce michael and when you turn gabriel human that that's kind of the end of your franchise and it, it as much as prophecy 2 has its flaws the way they wrap it up and the way that they use eric roberts to wrap it up i think i, I think it's nice if the if the series had ended there i think it would people might remember it a little more fondly than
1: they do Todd Yes sir Why did Lucifer Kick Gabriel out of hell After the events of the first movie
0: uh, Because It was too big for both of them
1: This movie sort of is the Alien 3 of the Prophecy <laughs> series in that it just sort of immediately tries to undo all of the ending of the first movie, including <laughs> killing off the lead character. Uh, I I did find the the explanation for why it it had to continue was a little weak in the context of the series. But moving back to Eric Roberts, Todd. Eric, oh, wait, you already talked about Eric Roberts. Yeah, I did. Like we all have. Let me talk about <laughs> Eric Roberts. No, you yeah. know what? I I I think it's actually a really strong performance. I think, as you mentioned, Todd, his sort of. Flighty hippieish nature really works for a character like this, uh even if he is kind of maddening because he doesn't provide anything to the characters outside of a lack of answers really but honestly it it, it even though. He doesn't have that kind of level of appeal of Eric Stoltz's character from the first movie. He does sort of bring a similar kind of laid-back vibe to it uh, in that he he just doesn't seem... He seems like he knows what's going to happen, even if he is not willing to share that information with the rest of the characters. And as weird, said,
2: as weird as it is, though, he, he is the perfect antithesis of Christopher Walken. You know, absolutely. For, for everything that Walken is as an actor, decisive... The little minute details, the voices, the phrasing.
1: We always end our discussion of each film by asking our guests, and of course yourself, Todd, and me as well, uh, whether this film confirms or denies the idea, the very theory of this podcast that Eric Roberts is the fucking man. So I shall ask you, starting with you, Matthew, does this film confirm that Eric Roberts is the fucking man?
2: I think it does. Myth confirmed, or whatever they say
1: on that show. I think that might be what they say. Uh, Todd, <laughs> yes or no, Eric Roberts is the fucking man.
0: Yes, I, I'd say that it confirms that Eric Roberts is the fucking man.
1: <laughs> you said Eric Roberts was the fucking man in Wrong Cops. I did. I, I I actually had to say that for you on the episode but that's Did you choke insane. a little bit? Did, did it hurt? <laughs> I I choked on my words actually. I also said that he was the fucking man because remember his fringe jacket. He that's does not right. have a fringe <laughs> He does not have a fringe jacket in The Prophecy 2, but what he does have is angelic power. Uh so I will with the two of you I will agree that Eric Roberts remains in The Prophecy 2 the fucking man. But we need to move on. We're going to move on to 2001's Fast Sofa. And will Eric Roberts return to be the fucking man in that movie, along with Jake Busey, Jennifer Tilley, Crispin Glover, and a cast of, wow, great actors? We will see after this break. <laughs> From 2001, Salome Bresner's Fast Sofa uh, Based on the uh, novel by, uh, what's the person's name again? Bruce Craven (laughs) Bruce Craven, friend of our guest today He's going to give us the inside scoop on the novel And the uh, translation into film Also uh, co-written by the the author of the novel, the friend of Matthews Uh, Fast Sofa is a road movie Starring Jake Busey, the son of Gary Busey uh, Those of you who were alive in the late 90s and early 2000s You might recall that Jake Busey was in a lot of stuff back then And this is one of the things he was in He's most notable for being in Starship Troopers And having what can only be described as the most full mouthful of teeth That anyone has ever been able to present as a person on earth He has a very big mouth of teeth But uh, this film actually has a very fascinating cast As I mentioned before, Crispin Glover Natasha Lyonne is here uh, very briefly But uh, um, this was in her kind of golden period Which I'm, we're all glad to have Natasha Lyonne back Adam Goldberg of course is here Jennifer Tilly, the non-T-I-L-L-E-Y-1 uh, And Lee Ving From the uh, punk band Fear is here For all of 30 seconds Isn't he playing in a bowling alley? What the yeah. hell? <laughs> But he is here, just, to, just to, to put the punk rock credentials on Fast Sofa It is a very strange movie in a lot of ways uh, I'm very, very curious to hear everyone's opinion on it But I want to start with Matthew Matthew, what is your relationship with the uh, co-writer and writer of the novel Fast Sofa?
2: So uh, Bruce, if you are listening, you can tell me if I get any of this wrong, but Bruce is actually a member of the faculty at the university that I work for. He does a course on leadership through fiction. Uh, he's had a long career as a writer, both for screen and uh, of the written page. And he, he does a lot of, um, you know, some of the aspects of, of the, the book can be translated into who he is. You, you kind of see that and you make sense. And a lot of them are not. Um, But he does a lot of leadership training. He does a little bit of philosophy, a lot of like literature based stuff. He's an extremely nice guy. I've had a lot of really cool and interesting conversations with him. We bonded over our mutual love of Jake Busey the first time that we met. Hmm. And I've promised him for I think four years now that I was going to sit down and actually watch the film, which I've done. So this is a this is this is actually this was exciting for me. I think I finished watching Fast Sofa about 10 minutes before we began the podcast. So, it is super fucking fresh.
1: Now, did you read the novel that the movie was based on?
2: I haven't, no. Uh, the only thing I know about the novel is that it was sort of a, a, a novel idea when it was released. Ugh. The book. Yeah, no, you deal with it. I'm the guest. I'm the guest. God damn it. Uh, the book was released with uh, with a soundtrack of all the the songs that were referenced in the novel, and I think a lot of them, including the fear, found their way into the movie.
1: I was <laughs> I was reading an Entertainment Weekly review of the novel Fast Sofa uh, that mentioned what you just said that it came with the soundtrack, and I do have to say they weren't particularly kind to either the side. The, they they compared it to Smellovision, <laughs> but uh, and they weren't necessarily kind to the book, but obviously. Some people really took to the book because they wanted to make it into a movie. Uh, now, just staying with you for a second here, Matthew, Jake Busey, where does your love of Jake Busey come from? You
2: know, it's a weird thing. Uh, I, everybody loves Gary Busey. I think that there's no, there's no ironic love of Gary Busey. It's just pure love. And part of that is the fact that he's made better movies than his son did. But there's just something about Jake Busey. Uh, maybe it's the fact that he's the son of a B star. And that makes, I don't even even know what litter grade that gives him. <laughs> but it just, I, I love underdogs and Jake Busey has just enough talent and just enough of that underdog mentality that he's always been on my radar, whether it was the Frighteners, which he's legitimately good in mm-hmm. um, Starship Troopers, as you mentioned, I mean, even in identity, I'm a big fan of his role there. And I actually thought he was one of the best parts about fast sofa as well. And I've also always carried this theory that he should be the perfect actor, probably because of that full set of teeth. Uh, If they ever wanted to do a weird version of the Joker in a Batman movie, I I would hire Jake Busey in a heartbeat.
1: Interesting you mentioned that because one of the people who was rumored to play the Joker in The Dark Knight was Crispin Glover, his co star here in Fast Sofa. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention about Jake Busey is that he's actually appeared in, I believe, five different films with Eric Roberts, who's also in Fast Sofa. Uh, I was actually right before we started recording, I was looking at the the list of, of roles, or oh, sorry, of films that they've done together. It's a little bit tricky because they've been on the same TV series, but sometimes not at the same time. Like they were both on Justified, but not at the same time. I don't don't believe, um, and uh, but they were in. I think they were in a Paranormal Activity spoof from a few years ago. Which uh, Todd, we're gonna have to watch that. What do you oh, think about man. that? <laughs> 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 we're, we're all looking forward to that. I'll tell you. But uh, I actually, like yourself, Matthew, I actually think Jake is a fairly un- underrated actor. Shasta McNasty aside, <laughs> uh... <laughs> how fantastic and, and... that you that you remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I I. Considering his role in this movie Where he plays I mean, maybe you're going to feel differently about this A very unlikable person uh, That we do have to spend almost all of the running time with Who goes through Maybe a minor transformation before the end But it could only be described as a minor one Considering that role is someone that I thought of As kind of a shitty person I thought he enveloped the role And brought some level of of goodness to it that made him appealing to watch, uh, even though that did not necessarily save the movie for me. But before we get into my feelings on it, let's start with you, Todd. What did you think of Fast Sofa, the film? Uh, well, you know, hmm. <laughs>
0: I, I kind of have a love hate thing with it. There were parts that I really liked. Uh, I love Crispin Glover's role. And, you know, I think that Jake Busey's character. Uh, his best qualities kind of show up when he's with Crispin Glover's character. Yes. So I didn't hate him as much as you did. But he's still like a drug-addled, you know, porn-obsessed weirdo. But uh, it, the moments that I liked usually involved Jake Busey not having sex. Because that is not something that I ever wanted to see. And it's not something I ever want to think about. How about his ass? You get to see a lot of that, you get huh? to see a lot of his ass. And I'm like, you know, that's fine. That's a bit much, but... Uh, I, I, you know, it's it has that feel of like Doom Generation and stuff from that era, mm-hmm. and and I like the road movie concept, but I swear, like, there are moments that I'm like, this is actually not bad, and then others where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing watching this besides waiting for Eric Roberts to show up?
1: Did you find it hard to believe, Todd, that Jake Busey with his shitty hair and his dumb? <laughs> dumb fucking hat that somehow he was still irresistible to every woman he encountered. Yeah,
0: that that was kind of hard to believe. Uh, Natasha Leone, a fine lady. Jennifer Tilly, not bad either. So it's kind of mind-boggling. So uh, yeah, yeah. What,
1: what did you think of the use of cherry pie as the opening theme song <laughs> for Fast Sofa?
0: <laughs> uh, I, that song... Is uh, not one of my favorites, and it always makes me laugh because it, it just immediately, I, I immediately recall the video for it, which is so ridiculously over the top. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, all I did was laugh.
1: Matthew, at the risk of, of hurting your relationship, I want you to tell your honest opinion, your honest feelings about the movie Fast Sofa.
2: Well, I'll say that there are three, to me, there are three clear sections to this film. The first one, is um, and before I go there let's make an let's make an agreement right now that we'll just we'll just throw the sexual politics completely out of the window
1: I I have to kind of mention briefly the sexual politics there is an element of slut shaming to this yes uh, and also a real unpleasant view of the pornographic film industry <laughs> that I don't necessarily think reflects Reality, maybe in specific circumstances, yes, but uh, but the way that Jennifer Tilly's character plays out in this is pretty fucked up, I have to say. Yeah, yeah
2: and there are, there are some times, especially early on, when she when she has a real sense of agency, and you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of progressive. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm willing to give part of it a pass just because I think that, that that we've come a long way, even in the last couple of years, with how we Absolutely. treat sex work. But as a whole, I just want I just want to throw all of that out the window because if we talk about that, there's it's, it's not good. It's bad. Um, that being said, three sections of the film. The first section where Gary Busey runs into this porn star at a bar and they end up hooking up and going back to her place, I thought that was actually kind of cute. I thought that once the actual sex was over with, that <laughs> I, I wouldn't describe in a lot of the films that I've watched, Jennifer Tilly is an actress that I have a strong, you know, the, the, not someone that has a really strong soft side or someone that, that I find myself kind of rooting for, and yet the, there was a lot of natural patter between her and Jake Busey, and it was kind of cute, and they were talking about movies. It was weirdly adorable to, like, watch her, watching her own, her character watch her own sex scenes and be like, oh, this was a good one. Like, that was, kind of, that was kind of a cute, I thought, a cute little scene. The second part of the film is all the car stuff between Jake Busey and Christopher Glover, and that's just good. There's no qualifiers there. There's no, like, well, for what it was. No, those road trip scenes between the two of them are just good. And then the last part is when Jennifer Tilly and Jake Busey meet back up again. And I think that that's just not good. And unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about that because that's where Eric Roberts comes into play. <laughs> no, no getting around that one. But those that's it. It's, it's, it's okay, and then it's good, and then it's not good.
1: I did not like Fast Sofa. Uh, I didn't like the beginning part. I certainly didn't like the ending part. I had some fun with the middle section Uh, For those who haven't seen Fast Sofa Crispin Glover plays this kind of uh, Almost, uh, and and I hate to to use this as a qualifier But almost an autistic, uh, bird-obsessed person Who uh, obviously has had a lot of trauma in his life uh, Some of it based around the death of a bird uh, And he is a character that goes through The kind of biggest transformation Before the end of the movie it's Crispin Glover, so he's always going to be fun to watch But I do have to say I I thought that the writing for that character Was too self-consciously quirky So I didn't buy it and I, and I can buy Crispin Glover as a weirdo, believe me But I just didn't It felt like he was trying to be a weirdo too hard You can just let Crispin Glover be there And he'll be a weirdo But here, just like his speech pattern And the way that he described things It just didn't ring Real to me That said I still had fun With a lot of those scenes Particularly The very first scene Where uh, Crispin Glover's Jules Langdon character Is trying to get money And then ride From uh, From Jake Busey's Rick Jeffers character I found that Maybe to be the Single best scene In the entire movie Because It was just this kind of Um It was a scene That really revealed A lot about their characters Without having to explain A lot Um but i do have to say that overall i thought that this movie was intolerable i thought the editing was really bad too just the the use of the 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 split screens and the the segmented screens i found it to be really irritating and it, it to have almost no meaning and i thought the ending I, I, I'm just going to say right now When the credits started rolling I, I said out loud Are you fucking serious <laughs> <laughs> So I have to say I did not much care for 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 the reasons I mentioned and a few others um, But uh, I can't say that I absolutely hated it Or anything like that It just for me felt a little bit um, Up it's own ass Just my opinion certainly <laughs> now let's talk about the important thing about the movie uh, The performances Adam Goldberg is in this movie Jennifer Tilley, as you mentioned Matthew I think Jennifer Tilly is wonderful in this movie Considering that she has a very depressing Shitty role to play in it uh, And I have a very soft I have an extremely soft spot for uh, Jennifer Tilly I think that she's pretty terrific Despite her incorrect spelling of her last name Todd going back to the movie for a second Uh do you agree with the segmentation of the of the the film, the three parts? And do you also agree with Matthew's ranking of them, where the the middle part is kind of uh, head and shoulders above the rest?
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree with him. I, I loved the uh, the middle part, uh, and there were parts of the uh, I guess the third part after uh, Eric Roberts' cameo, which we'll get to, um, that were <laughs> interesting because I, I I thought it them going to the the pet store for him to rescue you know the uh was it the red tailed falcon red tailed hawk whichever that is uh I thought that was interesting but and then you get to the ending and it just kind of fucked everything up for me.
1: Yeah, it's a really odd ending. Before we get into the ending, what is up, Todd, with Crispin Glover's eye? <laughs> I think he
0: is supposed to have a lazy eye. And as somebody who has maybe not as pronounced a lazy eye it uh, that uh, i can kind of relate to how that looks (laughs) how did he how did he do it i I think it's a contact lens because on some of the close-up scenes you can kind of see through the uh the white part at his eye underneath
1: it fucked me up while i was watching it a little bit i was like i know crispin glover does not have a lazy eye. I've seen him in so many movies, but I'm convinced while watching this that he has a lazy eye. Matthew, was it was it cinema magic? How did he do his lazy eye? I'm with Todd. There once especially towards the end of the film,
2: once you got the close-ups, you could see the iris behind the quote oh. unquote opaque. Yeah. So then I started noticing how the little the you know kind of dull black spot behind the white contact lens was moving. You could see both eyes going at the same time.
1: Yeah. I, Obviously, a gripping movie.
2: Yeah, so I, will, I will say this, so. though. Crispin Glover's character just seems, and maybe Crispin Glover in general, just seems like the sort of person who should have a lazy eye. You know, like, when you look at him and you see a character, you know, you see that, that one, it's certainly exaggerated, far more pronounced. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just I just you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's I mean that's who he is, right?
1: And he, he seems did. like the kind of guy who, after the movie is finished filming, he'll take the contact lens and just wear it all the time.
2: <laughs> all he has to do is wear that, and people won't recognize him. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is that Crispin Glover? Can't be. Look at that eye. <laughs> is he wearing a contact lens? I
1: can't tell.
2: Let's stare at him for two hours and
1: come away inconclusive. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matthew. You love bluegrass music. Correct. So if I was to say, hey, Lee Ving is in this movie, that probably wouldn't mean a lot to you. It wouldn't, but I looked him up earlier. And I know Mm.
2: the reason I looked him up earlier, I think, is because I'm going to take a a stab here. The music that is playing his band uh, has a little cameo while they're at the bowling alley halfway through the film. And correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that song also in um, SLC Punk? Is that what I remember it from?
1: It might be. I'm actually not one hundred percent sure on that. Fear for those who don't know, Fear as a punk band, uh, they were in the Decline of Western Civilization, the first uh, Decline of Western Civilization movie. Uh, And honestly, I think Fear is a pretty shitty band. (laughs) I'm not a big fan of them as uh, their music or uh, especially their politics at the time. I just find them to be a pretty unpleasant punk band. But Lee Ving as an actor is someone I can get behind because he was in Clue. The movie Clue, he played Mr. Body in Clue um, Who is, of course, the body for the rest of the movie And he's also in Black Moon Rising The the futuristic car movie with Tommy Lee Jones Written by John Carpenter So leaving the actor, thumbs up Leaving the musician, thumbs down (laughs) Unfortunately in this movie, he is playing leaving the musician (laughs) But I still found it very interesting that he showed up in, in... A a interesting variation of his band Fear. Then you must Uh, must have been
2: happy at how poorly his band was doing in this universe. (laughs)
1: Why would you agree to have your band Play in a fucking bowling alley In a movie Yeah it it didn't necessarily reflect well on them Uh, I I got a a little bit confused About what kind of music Jake Busey's character likes in this movie I imagine he's he's in some way A surrogate for the writer At least his preference for music He's seen as having like a lot of vinyl But Only in the context of it First being stolen And then being destroyed (laughs) So all we see is that He listens to Motorhead Which seems about right But uh, that just makes that Cherry pie at the beginning All the more odd (laughs) As is the inclusion of Fear as a band Um, We need to talk about Eric Roberts But before we talk about Eric Roberts We have to talk about Something even more important Eric Roberts' hair Um, I feel personally, that much of the power of Eric Roberts comes from two things. One, his voice. Two, his beautiful mane of hair. And it bothers me. It actually kind of chills me to my soul when I see him fuck with it in some sort of significant way. And... He may never have fucked with it more than in the film Fast Sofa from 2001, where he has a combination – I can't even describe it. It's like sort of cornrowed out or just a little bit like like hit cornrowed on the edges, and then it's kind of messy in some parts. And he's playing like a sleazy pimp slash porn producer, and his hair – is the thing that's going to haunt my dreams for weeks to come Yeah, it was kind of braided And then he had yeah. like a long braid in the back
2: Yes It was It was basically like if Anakin Skywalker from the prequels Had like a goth period <laughs> That's the best yes. thing I could come to Boy, <laughs> that, that, that is that a way better
1: explanation Than I could have come up with Yes, that is exactly what it looks like I put some photos over on the Facebook group And I'll put them on the, uh, the Twitter page as well But you gotta see this fucking hairstyle And it's interesting to see him in this movie Especially after just watching The Prophecy 2 Where he is literally playing an angel Here, he's kind of enveloping a a bit of his Star 80 character But pushed even more to the extreme He's basically a sadist uh, Who um, holds Jake Busey's character at gunpoint Is almost torturing, sexually torturing Jennifer Tilly's character in the film He is a real piece. Of shit, so much of a piece of shit That he almost makes Jake Busey's character Look sedate and nice in comparison Which is a hard thing to do uh, What did you think of Eric Roberts' hair First, Todd, and then His character in the movie? Yeah, the hair was just
0: bizarre, and I'm with you mm-hmm. it, it, It's either I gotta have the uh, The mane or nothing at all, you know what I'm saying <laughs> But the uh, the the Character, you know, I kept waiting for Him to do something Funny, you know, I, I didn't know That he was just gonna go full tilt You know, sadistic. So I'm waiting for this, this, this like humorous point, something to kind of like level it out a bit. And it just keeps getting darker and darker and darker. And then he's gone.
1: Did you think that he wanted to shave Jennifer Tilly's head? As some sort of unconscious response to his own terrible hair <laughs> you
0: know, uh, I, I I wouldn't know where to even begin
1: commenting on that one. <laughs> well, I'll <laughs> turn it over to something. <laughs> I'll turn it over to Matthew. Matthew, what did you think of Eric Roberts' character and his obsession with hair in Fast Sofa?
2: Well, I think I think like you said. I mean, his hair is obviously one of the things that stands out when you see him in a film. I th- I kept thinking about uh true rom- uh, yeah true romance and what yes, they did with the yes. adman there and like how yeah. this was so we're not even close to that at all like it didn't work at all you know the eric roberts in this film is basically like you come home for halloween one year when you were in college and your parents decided to like dress like the cool kids and they think it's really funny to be like oh i'm going to dress like i'm 19 now and that was that's it he's not he's not young enough for the look that he was rolling and the look that he was rolling with was terrible so i felt like it it almost felt like at some point Jennifer Tilly should have been like, oh, "Dad, knock it off!" and like walked out. That's how bad that look was. That being said, uh, you know, in terms of misogyny and and just all general <laughs> evilness and douchebaggery, like a plus.
1: You mentioned at the beginning of our talk here, uh, Matthew, that uh, your friend, the writer of Fast Over the Novel and uh, co-writer of the. A screenplay for the film that you could see parts of him in the novel itself or, or sorry I should say the uh this presentation of the novel this film which we don't know how different that would be from the screenplay that he worked on what can you see of him in this movie
2: well the the Bruce that I know again Bruce if you're listening I apologize but the Bruce that I know I mean he had a period um and this is all I think on his Wikipedia page if you look it up uh, mm-hmm. He had a period where he was he was living in New York. He was bartending. He was working as a uh, – working living in Greenwich Village. So there are some aspects of Jake Busey's like earthy, relaxed worldly kind of view that definitely like every time that this character goes whatever, I'm like, all right, I can, I can see that. <laughs> Obviously, and I, I agree. I, I disagree with you on on some aspects about the characters. I agree 100% that he's completely unlikable. Um, And that works for me, because I think Crispin Glover is supposed to be the most likable character in the film. But that being said, I don't think that you're supposed to feel I don't think that Bruce wrote himself into as the main character, but I think that he wrote himself into the main character. And so, yeah, I can I can see a little bit of Bruce and Jake Busey's character. And if he doesn't, if he disagrees with me, then I'm going to probably answer for that later. But
1: I do think, that, man, it's, it's hard to stay away from the, some of the sexual politics in this movie because they are so screwed up. I was just thinking of that scene where Crispin Glover is talking to the stripper about birds and uh, all Jake Busey's like, do you have some sort of back room? Basically saying you are a stripper. So you are also a prostitute. So <laughs> fuck my friend. And like, there's not even any talk. She's like, Oh, it's, it's such a strange worldview that's embedded in this movie. And it's, it is one that I, I, I legitimately had some difficulty with now. Understanding that Eric Roberts Has awful hair And is playing a character that is just Menacing for the sake of being menacing What do we think of his Performance in this movie I'm going to go back to you Matthew What did you think of his performance overall And actually I'm going to combine that with our final question Since we're running out of time on this movie Did it confirm or did it demolish Your opinion of him being the fucking man
2: I think uh, I think it's one of those Films where the character on paper, you know, whether it was good or not, it's it's a mistake to cast based on recognition all the time. I think that Eric Roberts is, is an established talent. I think he's a recognizable face. I think that there was some fun in the idea of taking somebody who's recognizable and kind of, you know, making them into this this pimp and this person that you're supposed to hate. However, it really only works if you're playing against type and because of the sheer volume of stuff that Eric Roberts has done and because he's, you know, as you've mentioned, he's played some characters that are bad guys, he's played some characters that are good guys, it's it works in counterpoint in theory but there is no counterpoint. So it's just sort of like a oh like okay, so this is a caricature of a pimp and this is Eric Roberts doing that. And this whole scene is sort of unpleasant, so I'm just gonna kind of wait for it to be over, and it's over. Okay, great. <laughs> and I'm, so I, I, you know, I, you never know if it's like, it, was it a screenplay, was it the original character, is it the performance, what isn't working for me? But I am actually gonna say that this one put a serious hurt on Eric Roberts being the fucking man.
1: Well, that's, uh, that that I, I appreciate your honesty on this subject. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, I do think his performance in this is supposed to bring to mind, or maybe just the casting is supposed to bring to mind, his his kind of initial star-making turn in Star Eighty, where he doesn't play a character quite this empty in his menacingness, <laughs> but does have is playing a similar kind of role, someone who is um, is. Uh, Behind, sort of the person behind the scenes of someone working in the adult uh, entertainment industry, though uh, the kind of pushed to the extreme. Do you think, uh, Todd, that they were intentionally trying to make that comparison with his casting here?
0: Uh, you know, they could have, and I can see where you're drawing those, uh, you know, that that, that connection. But uh, I mean. It, to me, it just seemed like more of a uh, a, a rip off from True Romance because I actually have yeah. that in my notes. It's like oh, you know, it's need- funny.
1: I think all three of us were thinking of True Romance with this character, and and it's not just the hair. I mean, just no, just no not how he plays out. Yeah, and but I mean,
0: I, as far as you know, the character is concerned, you know, I think uh, Eric Roberts brought it for the most part. I mean, it was sinister. It was dark, and, you know, I fucking believed it once I realized that, you know, there was no kind of, like, levity to it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of dig
1: it. Okay, so you're going with him being the fucking I'm man? I'm going to go with him being the fucking man. But what about you're you? Soft, you're a soft touch, Todd, Damn. and I love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I, uh, am I as is my usual position, I am somewhere in the middle. Uh, but I will say that I feel like he did as much with this character as... Him being cast in this role could reasonably do with it Uh, he, He is not in any way appealing He's not fun to watch But his character is a complete psychopath The thing is, it's just It feels so far removed from reality And not even in a stylized, true romance kind of way That all I could think while I was watching it was I just don't take it very serious Or seriously, I should say uh, and that is a hard thing to think at what is supposed to be one of the climactic, dramatic moments of the movie. But I think that that's actually a failing of the movie rather than his performance or um, or uh, his hairstyle in the movie, <laughs> which I know I seem like I'm obsessed with, but it's really something else. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to come down on the side of I think he's still the man, but I am going to demand two I'm sorries. I'm sorry. Uh, there's one, and uh, again, I'm sorry. All right, That's two I'm sorry's from Eric Roberts to make up for the fact that I didn't thoroughly enjoy his performance in 2001's Fast Sofa. Gentlemen, thank you so much for discussing Fast Sofa with me. We're going to take one more break, and when we come back, we're going to do a little uh, pimping of our own. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going to do uh, a few plugs, and we're going to talk about what's going to be covered on our next very special episode of Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man. Come back with us after this. <laughs> More masterpieces of the filmography Of Eric Roberts covered on this episode Of Eric Roberts is the fucking man I have to thank and I want to thank Matthew Monagle for joining us This uh, week on the show Matthew I've been a fan of your writing For a very long time now I've been a fan of you as a person for just as long uh, It's always been uh, Great to interact with you online and what a pleasure It has been to be able to interact With you voice to voice Thank you so much for uh, for being on the podcast
2: I really appreciate it Todd and it- was I think this is our first interaction at all, so it's been nice it to kind of hear your thoughts on Eric Roberts and Doug. Uh, we've been writing together probably for a good three, or four years now. I think. Yeah. Um, and I've always, always, you know, we could, we could get into the no, you're great, no, you're great for a while. But <laughs> I will, I will just say that you know, it, if there's not a lot of people that could would make me want to, would make me enthusiastic to talk for ninety minutes about Eric Roberts movies, but <laughs> you're definitely one of them.
1: <laughs> it's a skill that I have, but yes, no more jerking each other off, Matthew. If people want to check out your writing, and they absolutely should, you wouldn't be here if they shouldn't. If they wouldn't, shouldn't, <clears throat> Matthew. If people want to check out your writing, and they absolutely should, where's the best way to find it?
2: Uh, probably the best choice would be actually to go look at my writing portfolio. Um, oh, it's you can find it in my Twitter account. It's the you know you only get one. Uh, url so it's my url there uh, so you can follow me on twitter at, at lab splice or you can go to monogle.journoportfolio.com and there i've tried to put everything together i've got tabs for as you said i write for a couple of different places film school rejects daily grindhouse i've got a tab for that so it's nice if you want to hear my thoughts on horror films they're in one place or if you want to hear me wax poetic on hashtag think pieces you can get those in another place too
1: now, he's a great writer You can of course As he mentioned Find him on Twitter At splice And we'll link All the rest of the stuff On the description Of the episode too Which you can check out Over at EricRobertsIsTheMan.com Todd <laughs> I have to apologize to you. While I was trying to do do your plugs on the last episode, I fucked up and I said that you wrote for for bloodydiscussing.com, which actually isn't the case at all. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going. I I give you the floor to actually tell us where we can find your work.
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Film Fiend. Uh, you can find me over at uh, Far East Films, and you can find me at Dread Central.
1: Dread Central, the place uh, which we had somehow forgot. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, of course, you on on Twitter at the Film fiend. You can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can find, of course, um, the uh, Eric Roberts uh, archives or at ericrobertsistheman.com. Follow Eric Roberts Is The Man on Twitter at E R I T F M or search Eric Roberts Is The Man on. Facebook and you can uh, join our group There has a lot of behind the scenes Info and really any bit of news I can Find about Eric Roberts the more ridiculous The better and a lot of good conversation There with Eric Roberts fans for some reason As well uh, I do Want to mention that on our next episode Episode 12 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking man I said it was a very special episode I wasn't just blowing smoke it's going to be Our Halloween episode Yeah ooh, nice. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That is not. And, I need some work, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but our Halloween episode. What better material to cover than celebrity ghost stories, uh, season one, episode six, and Celebrity Ghost Hunt, season one, episode one. Nice. Yes, two episodes of celebrity ghost TV shows being covered on the next episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man with special guest. the Wonderful director, Izzy Lee, is going to be with us. I interviewed her a few years back for Daily Grindhouse. She's been a good friend. She's a great personality and an amazing director. How exciting! She's going to talk to us about celebrity ghost stories. Todd, what do you think? I'm all for it. I'm ready. Uh, oh! There's the energy I was looking for. (laughs) Episode 12, Eric Roberts is the fucking man coming in two weeks before Halloween. I would suggest uh, gathering your family around the old radio that is hooked up in some way to your (laughs) MP3 player and playing the episode on a dark and stormy night. What do you think?
0: I think that sounds like the best way to view our podcast anytime.
1: Anytime. Get your family together and listen to some Eric Roberts-related uh, uh, d- discussion with some great personalities like our guest today, Matthew Monagle. I think that's it, folks. I think we need to wrap it up. I think we've reached our 90-minute limit. Join us in two weeks for some ghost stories. Buy yourself a copy of Fast Sofa. Buy yourself a copy of Prophecy 2. And enjoy the Eric Robertsness of it all.
0: Good night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man Eric Roberts is the fucking man If there's anything that you can do, Eric
2: Roberts fucking can